Today, would you turn with me as we was talking to the children to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, we'll be looking at that one verse there in verse 31. As you're turning there, let me ask you this question. How many of you use Google as your preferred search engine on the internet? Let me see you raise your hand if you use the internet. My goodness, almost most everybody that's using the internet. It is true that Google has become, because it's the majority of the people that use the internet, they use Google. Do you know in my research I found that 2 trillion, 2 trillion with a T, 2 trillion, that letter after S, T, 2 trillion Google searches per year. That means there's 2.3 million Google searches per second. Wow. That's a lot of Googling. 74% of Americans use Google. And as I was looking for this research, I found an article written in 1999. In 99, they were introducing Google for the first time. They said it's an upstart company founded by a couple of college kids. And they have a unique approach to Internet searches. The Google homepage is pretty much a blank page. There's no portal. There's no departments. There's no categories. There's no advertisements. It just says Google, and it's a search box. The article said this. It's a good search engine, but there's no way Google will ever be profitable. Google is just a novelty. There's not, not much marketing potential. I would hate to be the guy that wrote that article. You all know what happened in the 17 years or so since that time. Google is used by nearly everyone worldwide. The world, the word itself has become part of our vocabulary. You don't go do an internet search. People say just go Google it. Google it to find the answer on the internet. I bring all this up because if you look at Google's founding, it's amazing to see the vision that these college kids had. At the time Google began, conventional wisdom said that you had to offer more than just a search on your search page. You need a, 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 a portal with lots of information there, lots of columns and lots of content on the homepage. Yahoo and Excite and, and AltaVista and all the others did that. Conventional wisdom said that you need a bunch of ads on your search page uh, and, and need lots of flashy and and animated and loud and annoying ads. And it said if the ads are not obnoxious, people won't click on them. Even today, you that use the internet know that a lot of websites still think that way. And they're obnoxious and I don't like it. But Google, on the other hand, and I'm going to quote, they said this, we'll offer nothing but search. And on the results page, we'll put a few quiet little text ads so they don't bother anyone who isn't interested. From that simple concept became a multi-billion dollar empire. Google now offers uh, Gmail and Google Maps and Google Plus and Google Play and YouTube and Picasso and Blogspot and tons of other services. But if you go to Google.com, you know what you're going to find? A blank page with Google written up there and a search box. It all is still simple. A logo and a search box. If you go to the Google corporate headquarters website, 
Yeah, they have a list of goals and missions and objectives. And my favorite one is this. One of their goals, one of their missions, one of their objectives is this. To do one thing really, really well. It's best to do one thing really, really well. And in my opinion, this is why Google is the number one search engine in all the world. Their sole purpose is to get you a result and to be the best possible search result when you type in whatever you're wanting to Google. The power of doing one thing really, really well. Keep that in mind. Friday night we had a good time, as I mentioned earlier. We came over here for a movie night over in our fellowship hall. Had a good time being together. And, and as I was uh, thinking about that, I started thinking about another movie. Now, some of you might have seen this, and sometimes it may not be the greatest, but City Slickers. Back in 1999, City Slickers came out. I know I might, That might be the wrong year. That was Google. I don't know the year City Slickers came out, but there's a quote in that movie. Billy Crystal is this upstart 30-something who, who is confused and he's dissatisfied and he, he just he thinks, man, I'm just missing out on life. And Jack Palance plays this old western cowboy. He's all leathery and he's, he's wise to the ways of the world. And he tells Billy Crystal, he senses Billy Crystal, uh, the character that Billy's playing, being, uh, being so upset and just not knowing what to do. And Jack Pallant's character, he says, Son, do you want to know the secret to life? The secret to life is this. Billy Crystal says, The secret to life is your finger? And Jack Pallant looks at him and says, No, son. The secret to life is pursuing one thing and doing it well. Hmm. You got Google saying we need to do one thing really well. You got a Hollywood movie saying we need to do one thing and do it really well. I believe this morning that that's the truth in the church as well. I believe this morning the same is true when it comes to the church's health and effectiveness that we need to find one thing and do it really, really well. I know that Jonathan has told me, you know, we've got to find that one niche that our church can do. I know we talked about it in staff meetings. What is that, that, that one thing that we can do and do it really, really well? I believe that's what Paul was talking about in Philippians 3.14. He said, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward what lies ahead, I press on. You see, Paul had it figured out. Paul was talking about us becoming more like Jesus. And I believe this morning that our personal spiritual growth is what church life rests on. Everything else in church rests on my and yours, our personal spiritual growth. If we have mature and maturing members, if we have them, those that are mature and maturing, then church finances are going to be okay. But if we don't have that, if we don't have those that are growing spiritually, church finances are going to suffer. If we don't be, if we're not growing spiritually, our baptism rates are going to decline. If we are not growing spiritually, 
Our church numbers, those coming in, Christians wanting to join with our church, are going to be at a stagnant place as well. Let's put it simple. Church growth will not happen unless we do one thing, and that is it relies on this, the spiritual growth of you and me. The spiritual growth of you. From our young people to the oldest people here. We have all got to be about growing spiritually. The more we become, listen, the more we become like Jesus, that's what spiritual growth is. It's becoming more like Him. The more we become like Jesus, the more motivated we're going to be to give our money. The more we become like Jesus, the more passionate we're going to be about sharing our faith. The more we become like Jesus, the more involved in ministry we are going to want to be. We're going to want to have tangible things to do like Jesus did. And friends, get this. The more we become like Jesus, the more we're going to be able to resist the wiles of the devil. It breaks my heart to see marriage is crushing. And dying. Christian people. Their marriages. Are going down the drain. We have got to get back. To spiritually growing. Looking. To God's word. Looking. To see him working. Instead of looking at all the faults of our own family. The faults of our spouse. Of our children. If we would focus on God. You don't have time to focus on the, how your wife or your husband doesn't do the right thing. Get yourself right. And then let God take care of the rest. It pains me to see Christians in trouble. And I was talking to someone just this morning about hearing another family falling apart. Church, the key to church growth is the spiritual growth of its members. I contend this morning this. It's time to soar. To be like that eagle. Here in Isaiah 40 and verse 31. God's word says. But they who wait for the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Father, God, just continue to lead me and give me your words, I pray. And thank you for this word, this scripture. And God, thank you for the encouragement that it brings to us. And and Lord, help me to say what I need to say, what you want me to say right now. Give me the wisdom that I need. Thank you for those that are praying and, and seeking you right now, seeking to pray for me that I would be your mouthpiece. And God, let us be open as we sang. First song we sang, open our eyes and ears that we'll hear. And God, if it's convicting to me, 
then let it be. Step all over me, God, that I might be responsive to your word. Lord, thank you for everybody here, and let us just hear from you now. We ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's focus on one thing. Just like what this scripture is saying, let's focus on one thing and do it really, really well. And this morning, it's time for you and me to soar. It's time. I'm excited about this vision that God has given. I believe all week long, if you've been around the office, you'd heard me saying, it's time to soar. This, this Sunday's going to be, it's time to soar. I, the sad truth is this. Listen, I'm just going to tell you the truth. The, the elevation of North Etowah has not been too high. As of late, I'm the pilot, I'm the pastor here, I'm the co-pilot or how you, you know, but God is the one over it, but you know our elevation has not been so high lately, it's not been changing much lately. Most of us would agree if we were to put all of our stats on a line chart, it would sort of be just, just floating along just sort of floating along with very little gain in altitude. But I say this morning, it's time for us to pick up flight and flap those wings a time or two and get up there where God wants us to be so we can start soaring around where he wants his church to be. And we look more like we're just sort of coasting right now. And I believe it's time for us to soar. We have got to do, we have got to do a better job of reaching our community. We have got to do a better, I have got to do a better job of reaching our community. We all must do a better job of reaching the unchurched. That is the reason the church exists, to get out there and get those unchurched, to let them know the time is at hand. The time is at hand. We must repent and be baptized and saved in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, you, you people are smart. You Google you know it's out there the, the end is near you can just see the writing on the wall what is happening in our world and we know how imperative it is that you and I live for Christ and teach the, the truth and preach the truth and live the truth oh heaven help us the way us Christians live heaven help us we claim to have the truth but the, but the divorce rate in Christian homes is just as high as it is in the world. The, the, the use of pornography and looking at those things on the internet and in magazines that you shouldn't is just as high in Christian households as it is in the world. The, the cheating that goes on against the IRS or other things. Christians, we are not doing it the job that we have been called to do. The Bible says to be in the world but not of the world. And we've got it mixed up. We become of the world. We have got it all confused. We have got to be clear this morning. Church growth is not about numbers. Church growth is about natures. You know what I mean by that? Church growth or soaring is about us and the change in each of us. Changing my nature. Make it personal for yourself this morning, right now. Talk to God in your heart right now. Say, Lord, what do I need to change? Let it be personal this morning with each one of us individually. Because when we change our nature, that's when the numbers will come. 
You got just think about the Gospels all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The disciples were all about counting. Oh, we had we had three thousand added here at Pentecost. We had four thousand uh, that were fed. Oh, here's five thousand fed. They were all about counting. But if you notice, Christ Jesus was more interested in teaching them. He was more interested in growing them. He was more interested in helping them mature. Than counting. Jesus was about natures, not numbers. You see, our Lord knows that kingdom growth is more than just counting. He, he knew that kingdom growth, sometimes you can't put it on a, a line graph. Kingdom growth is about changing the nature of individuals to become more like We have all got to be about changing our nature to become more like Him. Ladies and gentlemen, that applies to every single one of us. Jesus saw more. Listen, you know that story about the widow who came with two pieces, two copper coins, two widow's mites. She came and Jesus saw more kingdom growth. In, let's just put it in our term. She, he saw more kingdom growth in that little old lady who brought two little pennies worth a little bit of nothing. He saw more kingdom growth in what she brought than all the piles of gold that the rest of the people had brought. Friend, the key is us individually growing. We cannot get the entire church flock off the ground until every single one of us individually decide it's time for me to flap my wings once or twice here. Let's get going. Do you see how imperative it is that every single one of us are important? We've all got to carry our weight. The church can't get aloft until each one of us takes a little flap or two and then we can start our little sore. You are needed. You are appreciated and needed here this morning. I want to tell you three things about soaring. When we get to soaring, soaring spiritual growth is required. Spiritual growth is required. It's not optional, friend. Now listen to where I'm going with this. Some Christians think that spiritual growth, you can either take it or leave it. It's like when you go buy you a new car. You're going to get, well, I don't need those frills, but I sure want those frills. Let me make sure I get power steering with my new car. Let's make sure I get air conditioning with my new car. Boy, we need that right now, don't we? Let's make sure that I get power windows. Let's make sure, but I don't need the navigation. Oh, I sure would like to have a sunroof, though. It's like picking and choosing. Some people think that's the way spiritual growth is. You just take what you want and you don't. 
But friends, let me tell you something. Spiritual growth is not optional. The truth is, every one of us are in the process of growing spiritually, whether you want to or not. Here, let me show you what I'm talking about. Romans 12.2 says this. Romans 12.2, jot it down. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul was saying, you're going to grow. That's not a question. The question is, how are you going to grow? Are you going to change? That's the be conformed part. Are you going to be conformed by the fallen nature of the world? Are you going to be transformed by the renewal of God? Are you going to be conformed by all that's going on around you? And how that sweet young lady smiled at you and you thought, Hey, my wife hadn't smiled at me like that in a while. Are you going to be transformed by God? Say, get thee behind me, Satan. She wasn't meaning nothing but a simple smile. Are you going to be conformed by the world? Join in and laugh at those jokes that you know shouldn't be laughed at? Or are you going to be transformed by going to the God above and reading His Word? You see... It's how you are being, how you are growing. Spiritual growth is required. It is something that happens. It's normal. It's not an option. The question is not if you're going to be influenced, but how are you going to be influenced? By whom are you going to be influenced and transformed? God wants you to be influenced and transformed by Jesus Christ, His one and only begotten Son. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. That's Colossians 3.2. Soaring is not optional. It's required of us. The second thing is this, spiritual growth is a process. Now, as much as I would like it, and I'm sure every, most every one of us would like the same thing. I like it when I, when I see it, I say, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's all get spiritual, let's all grow up spiritually. Let's start flapping, let's go soaring. But spiritual growth, soaring, is a process. Philippians 3.12 says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. In other words, Paul is saying here, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm on the road. See, me and you, we've not arrived yet, but we've got to make sure we stay on the road. Spiritual growth takes time. It is a process, not just one event. This morning, we are setting our trajectory. We are setting our trajectory. We're dialing it in, and we're looking up, and we're saying, okay, we're going to start soaring. We're going to start headed that direction. We're going to set our trajectory in an upward direction. But our spiritual growth, listen to me, our spiritual growth is not going to be finished until we get to heaven. When God calls you home is when your spiritual growth will be finished. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young when you become a Christian, your spiritual growth is beginning. And it continues and continues and continues until the day that God says, I've got your mansion ready, come on home. That time deal is the part that I don't like, though. I'm going to be honest with you. 
It's the hardest thing for me to grasp because I personally want us to start soaring now. Let's go. I'm ready. But friends, it is a process. I don't like process. I'm not, I don't deal well with patience. Have you ever blown a gasket when you get behind the slowest checkout line you thought it was the short one? And you get behind and now, lo and behold, if that cashier wants to talk about everything under the sun to the people in front of you. Now, if it was me, I'd be fine with it. But it's like, come on, come on. Or, price check, aisle three. Okay, I'm learning, God, patience. Or when I go to the hospital to visit somebody, push the button on the elevator. It lit up. Maybe another door open. I'll push it again. (laughs) Maybe that elevator didn't didn't hear me the first time. Push, 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 push. Somebody else walks up. They see the light lit up. It's ready. It's coming. What do they do? Inevitably, they push it too. We need to make sure that elevator knows we're here. We are not patient people. It's a process, not an event. Get behind the slowest car in America in the fast lane. They're not even going 45. You're supposed to be going 60, 65, 70, whatever the speed limit is. We're not patient people. We got to wait. But here's another thing. I want to be honest with you and tell you. We're soaring. That process is happening. We're getting there. We're starting to go. But there's going to be times we hit some turbulence. We might lose a little altitude. There's times in our lives where we might even crash every now and then. But friends, when we crash, God gave Paul the antidote. He, had, he gives us a strategy in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He said, one thing I do. I believe that's like Jack Pouch. One thing I do, Paul said. Forgetting what lies behind, I know I just crashed. But I strain forward for what lies ahead. And I press on toward the goal. I messed up. I crashed. Now I'm going to pick up and go again. One thing I'm doing. We want it fast. We want it now. But friends, it is a process. And we've got to go through the process. I want to start soaring today. Now. I want us to already be. But it is a process. We are beginning to soar. You can just picture that eagle. That first flap really didn't pick him up. But that second and third flap, it starts to, and then he begins to soar. I'm ready to climb to new altitudes. And spiritual growth is also a team effort between us and God. I don't know about your family, but in my family, we argue over who's going to take the trash out. We argue over who's going to clean the dishes. We, t- we, we talk about in, in, in our early married life, whose turn is it to change the diaper? You know, for many Christians, that's the way it is with spiritual growth. For many Christians, we say, well, it's God's job to grow me spiritually. And for many Christians, they say, no, it's my job to grow spiritually. If I do anything, 
then I'm living by works and not by grace. So sanctification is solely God's job. 1 Thessalonians clearly says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24, Now may the grace of God himself sanctify you completely. That proves my point that, that God is the one who does the sanctifying. But the other side of the coin, they say this, it's our job. Because they quote Leviticus 11.44. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. So it is our job to be holy. The truth is neither viewpoint is wrong. They are both right. They're both correct. Paul pulls it together in the scripture we read a moment ago in Philippians 2.12. Philippians 2, we didn't read that a while ago. But Philippians 2.12 says this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Ah, good, it proves my point, it's up to us. But then Paul continues in in Philippians 2, verse 13, and he says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We have a role to play in our soaring. But we cannot control it. We're like a sailboat. Not a motorboat, but a sailboat. We can hoist up the sails. We can take care of that rudder back there. But without wind, you're going nowhere. Without God, we're not going to go anywhere. Our spiritual growth is vitally important, church. We are totally dependent on God. We can spread our sails. But God controls the wind. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound. But you don't know where it comes from, where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Spiritual growth is a team effort between us and God. We have got to recognize that this spiritual growth, this soaring, is what God commands us to do. God says that we are to soar. It's required. He wants us to do that. Secondly, we need to realize that this soaring that God's calling us to do, it's a process. Sometimes when we've been on the ground for a while, we've got to get warmed up again. Got to get those, do some exercises, flap our wings around every now and then, get going. And then we'll start to make that do those flap. That's a bird flap. These youth are laughing at me. What kind of flap is that? That's a flap. (laughs) It's a process, not just an event. And then spiritual growth is this team effort between us and God. Cry out to him this morning, church. Cry out to him for revival in our land. Pray that he would open the doors of heaven and rain down on us. Pray and ask him to continue to have mercy on us. Such a sinful, sinful generation we are. Pray that he would forgive us for not doing those things we ought to be doing and doing that stuff that we know we shouldn't be. But church, as a whole, we can pray those things Because it doesn't really hit home, does it? Oh yeah, our nation's a mess. We're part of the nation. Our church isn't going as fast and far as... We're part of the church. 
So it all continually points back to us, to me. Won't we all individually look in the mirror this morning? Can you please hear the Spirit calling you? Open our eyes and ears that each one of us will individually seek Him to see where He's working, to join Him in His work, that He alone would be glorified and honored and worshipped. The way of invitation this morning is simple for all of us. Whatever God's calling you to do this morning, don't squelch it. That means don't push it down. But listen to that still small voice of Jesus, the Holy Spirit talking to you. Won't you allow yourself to be the one? Will you be the one to answer his call? Will you be the one? Is God wanting to use you to start the winds of revival? Has God told you and, and you realize that you are a sinner and you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Whatever the need is, I am glad to be up here to receive you, to talk with you in any way you need. Won't you come during this time of response? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this moment. And God, I pray that whatever occurs in these next few moments, that you would be honored, glorified, and Lord, whatever the need is of any individual, I pray that they would not leave this place without turning to you, responding to what you're calling them to do. Lord, whatever occurs in these next few moments, I pray that we would all trust you and follow through and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.